Welcome to X slash C cross-generational cultural discourse. This is Amanda. I'm Emma. And today we're going to be talking about one of our recent favorite shows, Our Flag Means Death. We love it. We love this show. It's delicious. So to give you the quick uh, traditional rundown, uh, Our Flag Means Death is a show created by David Jenkins. It's on HBO Max, and it's the semi-historically accurate story of Steed Bonnet, the gentleman pirate, who was a real pirate, who uh, was also a, a gentry landowner who dropped everything and hit the, the high, high seas. seas. Yeah, and, and hired a pirate crew and paid them a wage. Um, funky. And it's about his very historically accurate run-in with Blackbeard. Um, in real life, they did, in fact, spend time on each other's ships for at least one or two years. But no one knows what happened during that time or why they broke up. Um, but this show takes a very great spin on things. And we're going to talk about all of that in today's episode. It fills in all those historical <clears throat> gaps with comedic and like really emotionally resonant goodness I as is traditional in taika waititi projects yeah um but full credit to david jenkins for doing what he does however we agree with some of the kind of Id the idea that without taika waititi's name on this <laughs> it might not have been made <laughs> no it is a really strange strange show but well it's not strange so much as it's like different from anything that you will have seen just because it's an actual show with actual real life queer representation Yes, it's not queer baiting. <laughs> so we're going to start off today talking about a little bit, kind of a, a macro view of how pirates alongside cowboys and maybe even vampires have been um, in media associated with being an outsider of various kinds and how that's been oftentimes conflated in either really blatant ways, um, like Brokeback Mountain, most obviously, or in more subtle ways um, with um, queer folk in media. So the, the choice of pirates was not an arbitrary one. Historically, you know, in these homosocial spaces, uh, if you're on a ship for a long, long time, it's absolutely certain that queer activities were abounding and were happening. And there were even sometimes um, women who would cross-dress and become sailors on ships or who would enter into these male spaces um, via disguise. So there's some historical precedent for that. Although in um, uh, Our Flag Means Death, we get a really interesting kind of uh, twist on that because we get actual non-binary representation as well. Indeed, played in by a non-binary actor. Yeah, played by a non-binary actor. So representation is really important in this show. And, you know, if you have spent any time on Tumblr, as both of us have, um, <laughs> no shame, a little shame for me, um, you'll know that, you know, 
<laughs> gay pirates, gay vampires, gay cowboys. That's all like a kind of trope. <laughs> and it's like a common kind of talking point on Tumblr. Um, and so to have this show have actual gay pirates, it's simply, it's simply the best. I mean, and it's all around this idea of outsiders, this idea of people spending times like you know people against the kind of traditional structure of like life um going off and pirating or cowboying together and along the way having romances well in this they actually do have romance (laughs) i mean i think about kind of the precedent show to this being black sales which i haven't watched but if you go on tumblr there were there was tons of Tumblr pages devoted to people gifting like shots of these pirates in black sails doing various kind of uh, romantic things with each other potentially. But as far as I know, in black sails, there was not any kind of actual canonical queer romance, whereas in Our Flag Means Death, there's actually an episode that's called something like, This is Really really Happening. And it's so interesting to see how the show has developed its fan base because you can see a kind of tentativeness from the audience to get fully invested because many, uh, you know, because, you know, over the years, queer people have kind of learned to read into things, you know, um, because we've had to, because we haven't had that outright representation for a really long time. Um and when that outright representation does happen, it's usually in a very obvious way. It's used as a marketing point. But um, in this show, it wasn't. Um, it, it just is a natural part of the show. And so you had to wait for it like you would in any other show about romance, you know? It's true, because if you looked at the promotional materials that HBO put out when this show came up... They very purposefully... It was not there. It just looked like a comedy. And they kind of marketed the fact that Taika Waititi was involved with it. And they marketed the fact that it was going to be a funny show about pirates, maybe kind of. And it is a funny show about pirates, but it also has a queer romance subplot. And multiple, just, multiple queer, queer romances. Yeah. You have two kissing gay couples and a non-binary character. And it's just lovely. Yeah. Well, the non-binary character gets a romance. Jim gets a romance too. Oh, it's so good. I just, I mean, and it's such a breath of fresh air, you know, because it's, it's not. They didn't use the queerness of it as a point of marketing, but of course, when people found out, it drew positive attention because we've been looking for something like this for so long and it's it's shocking that we're finally getting it you know because well, so many, this is coming after years and years and years and years yeah and so baiting. many times when you see something in media and you think oh I, your eyes are telling you and like as an analyst of texts or of media or whatever all signs are pointing towards oh these two people are going to get together And then it very rarely happens. And so then oftentimes fans get angry because it's like, well, you're dangling this thing. All all the narrative clues are there. You're encouraging us to read this into this. And then it's like, oh, no, they're just like best friends. They're bros. 
Bros on the high seas. You know, yeah, or you under misunderstand male friendship. That's not re what's really going on here. It's so idiotic. Yeah, or female friendship. It's like always kind of saying what you're seeing is not actually it's a gaslighting. Thing. <laughs> yeah, um, and so I will frequently like you know this happens all the time in disney properties people yeah. kind of uh, well, and critique disney and other corporations for doing this but you know kudos i guess to warner brothers and hbo and for, david jenkins and, and Taika david Waititi. jenkins and Taika Waititi for actually making this happen in the show so we should talk a little bit about a little bit about the plot mm. so then people get a sense of what the show is. I mean, at its heart, it's kind of an adventure show and it's really about Steed Bonnet. Um, I think the main, one of the main themes is toxic masculinity. Well, let's not talk about okay. that quite yet, but I, I would agree. Um, but it's about Steed Bonnet and his desire for adventure. At the beginning, he is this wealthy landowner. He's married, he has a couple children and he leaves all that behind to become a pirate. And in his course of pirating, you know, at the big in the in the first episodes, it's made pretty clear that he's a pretty ineffectual pirate. He's more interested in adventure than actually in kind of like pillaging stuff or hurting people or being violent. He likes the romantic violent. idea of it all. He likes the romantic idea of like going away and adventuring. and adventuring and having like different things happen to him every day and. He doesn't like routine very much. So he, well, he kind of craves adventure. Yeah. And even the people... Go ahead. You know, even though his entire life he's been kind of forced to be this very, um, this very different person, this person who's very, like, you know, put together and who does have a family and, um, you know, like there's all these lines you know, kind of alluding to how warped his idea of love is. He's like, oh, I always thought I'd marry for love. And then his father's like, well, love is for pe peasants or something yeah. like that. Marry I mean, he, so he has an arranged marriage and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't hate his wife, but it's not like they have this deep affection or love for each they other. They don't know each other and they don't like the same things. You know, it's, they, they don't understand each common. other but they're just kind of like stuck in this situation, both of them, which is, it's, it's honestly really refreshing to see the wife's perspective on all of this as well. Yeah. And you, you have get later. great sympathy for the wife because it wouldn't be easy being married in this arranged marriage with a man. man who's so detached from his life because he wants something different. Yeah. I mean, the only time that he really connects with his children is when he's playing around being a pirate, then he can kind of connect with them and you see his kind of interaction with them and that this children enjoy him in that context. But the rest of the time, it's really clear he's alienated from his life. And they show a couple key flashbacks, like, you know, with his dad, trying to toughen his son up and make him, for want of a better term, kind of make him uh, more aligned with these really rigid notions of masculinity. Mm -hmm. So there's one scene where so, he gets blood splattered on his face. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting to see because you see that these notions of masculinity are everywhere, even in high society, in the pirate world. You kind of you kind of can't escape these very rigid notions of masculinity, um, and so uh, and Steed, you know, he wants to be kind of like a softer version of all of that. He wants to be 
like a more emotional person. He wants to be a more and he likes clothes softer and he likes version of the pirate character he's seen his entire life. But he wants that adventure. He wants that life, you know. And you know, so he's a really lovely character and a really lovely um, what's it called? A uh, uh, it's a foil character foil to Blackbeard, who's a very similar person in many ways, just kind of uh, with his character kind of like flipped on its head. Yeah, absolutely. They're very so, much mirrors of each other. And, and they're both policed. So Steed, there's another flashback that shows him being bullied by other boys, again, because he's not kind of within the rigid notions of the time manly enough. On the other hand, um, and and uh, but he has all the money he could possibly want and all the privilege, but he's discontented. And chosen the, this life. Yeah. On the other hand... Ed Teach or Blackbeard, you see in his flashbacks that he's the son of a really abusive father. Um, he is drawn towards kind of pretty things or the finer things, but he's constantly being told you can't have that. People like us don't have those things. And unlike and unlike uh, Steed, he he hasn't chosen a life of piracy. It's it's like a last resort to him and many of the crew members that um that steed has hired however he through steed's influence many of them find the kind of joy in piracy in some ways like they they find the kind of adventurous spirit and the, and they kind of feed off of the fun and the joy he gets from it and they put some of the violence behind that's one of steed's influences on his crew and then later on blackbeard is that they all start to sort of reject some of the more violent ways of pirates and and also of like this kind of toxic masculinity that you have to be hard you have to be violent but you do find out that um blackbeard slash teach he actually he you it's revealed that he kills his father um because in part because of his father's abuse and violence um, and blamed it on the Kraken. And he blamed it on this sea monster, which the Kraken. he becomes in the end. Yeah, which, in the end, you know. when he reverts back to, like... Spoilers, spoilers. We'll talk yeah. about that later. We'll talk about that later. Sorry. Reverts back to his violence. He kind of is, like, he refers to himself again as this monstrous thing, the Kraken. So we'll return to these notions about masculinity in a minute. But, um, you know, if you want to trace the large arc of the story, it's Steed his influence on his crew, pulling them away from some of these more toxic notions of masculinity. Although ironically, one of the most kind of violent people in the crew, it's a non-binary character, Jim, who is like an extremely <laughs> proficient, proficient pirate. <laughs> pirate. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, but we'll get back to that later. But so it's basically about Steed, his adventures, and then him running across Blackbeard. And Blackbeard becomes utterly fascinated by and drawn to him, And drawn to him because I think it was Taika Waititi in an interview said, in any kind of partnership or romance, um, you and your partner, they fill in gaps for you. Mm -hmm. And so because as we've kind of established, they sort of have these inverse experiences you've got steed who's rejecting all the privilege in the world um and is choosing piracy but who retains the things the finer things in life he can 
he's a pirate, but he's, he's chosen, a gentleman. He's yeah, he's a gentleman. He's chosen to lead this life of crime, but in the adventurous way, in while still retaining his love for fine clothes, his opulent book collection, you know, all these things that make him feel comfortable and safe. And he promotes, you know, a kind of camaraderie among his crew, a kind of um, openness. Like they talk about their problems. He reads them bedtime stories every night. It's very sweet and like a, a very good model of masculinity in many ways. And everything that he does, everything Steve does, because he's really interested in posterity, everything is uh, kind of documented by Lucius. Oh, I love Lucius. Lucius is one of my favorite characters in the show from the beginning out queer man. He, um, he's just, he's a delight in every scene that he's in. <laughs> he is, he is a delight and, and incredibly hilarious. Um, but having said that, you know, you might get the idea from Steed and, and what we said about Steed and Ed that the essential narrative here is some kind of coming out story um, where Steed comes to terms with being gay and Ed comes to terms with being gay. But that's really not it's not a typical coming out story. There's no real closet. It's more just of a love story, because within this world that they created like in the show of the pirate ship there's people in the pirate world gayness is not a like a strange it's thing. not yeah it's like, not maligned in any way blackbeard like has openly slept with calico jack who's his like friend and kind of an awful it's like a toxic toxic friend of, friend of his played by will arnett who's really good at that kind of thing yeah he's terrible <laughs> playing right within his niche of like drunk messy toxic man <laughs> or horses or horses horsemen horsemen <laughs> yeah um, but you know so like you know ed is not straight you know he's openly not straight Steed, you know, has more of the coming out narrative in some ways, but at the same time, it's more of an acceptance of, oh, this is what love is, because he genuinely didn't. He's never felt it love before. before. <laughs> it's I, so yeah. lovely. So it's it it isn't to do with him coming to terms with being gay. It's, it's him accepting himself. It's about him accepting himself and accepting love into his life. So it's not a typical coming out narrative, which is really lovely because most. Yes. Within the within the story, queerness is not at all associated with any kind of shame. The only person who polices it at all is Izzy, who we'll get to Who's in a second. <laughs> He's a villain, but his main thing is his main hangup is that they're not doing masculinity right. Yeah. Not that they're in love Queer, with each other. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't care about that. Because I mean, Izzy's like, <laughs> yeah, Izzy is. Um, an interesting villain in many ways because what he is is he's in love in some ways with the idea of Blackbeard and this kind of very hyper-masculine, scary pirate. Violent pirate. Um, and who he follows, who he worships, who he He's been Blackbeard's right-hand man and yeah. has devoted his life and to is this project. is the real name of Blackbeard's right-hand man in real life. Um, um, and you know, but Blackbeard, Ed, wants to be something different. He doesn't want to be Blackbeard. He doesn't want to be this 
you know, through Steed's influence, he, he's kind of finding himself and finding out what makes Ed happy. Um, as he so famously said, um, uh, so, you know, he's kind of figuring out what he likes and the kind of softer side of himself that likes fine clothes and that, you know, and that can be soft and that can be kind. Um, and that's entirely separate from this persona that he's created for himself to protect himself in many ways from this like harsh world that he's been thrust into. You know, he's been he's been placed into this situation, whereas Steed has kind of chosen it actively but Steed helps him find that he can, you know, find joy in the life that he leads through kind of accepting softer sides of himself. Yeah. And Izzy's not into that. No, Izzy feels like Steed is a bad influence on Ed, not because Ed is falling in love with Steed, but because Ed is becoming softer. And for Izzy, that's the problem. Not, yeah. not the fact that he's... Um, not the fact that he would be having sex with Steed. Yeah. So but it's the a fact show. that he is getting emotionally entangled with Steed and and through feeling love and these softer emotions, he's not being sufficiently manly according to Izzy's yeah. view so, of things. Yeah, in many ways it's a show about toxic masculinity and self-acceptance in the face of toxic masculinity well and how toxic masculinity can damage you but uh, before we get into some of very specific situations around the toxic masculinity angle i think it's worth talking uh, you know obviously steed and ed's love story is at the center of this show but there's other love stories as well that we should just mention mm -hmm. um and not all of them are kind of fit as clearly within the toxic masculinity paradigm because the no, character is Jim sort of like it's just the main kind of the main story plot. is about mm -hmm. that but some of these side stories don't kind of follow it through in totally coherent ways but that's okay it's it's you know these subsidiary characters are meant to give different kinds of representation and they're also meant to to kind of uh build on the plot build on the plot and like give other characters things to do so other romances <laughs> among the pirate crew include lucius and black pete black pete is a character who is um he he's he, very invested in saying that he had been on Blackbeard's crew, but it's probably not true, and tries to paint himself as being like really aggressive and rough and tough. But he really digs Lucius, who is the who is the documenter of Steed's doings and like is the but, official calligrapher of the crew. And to and this is a problem to nobody except Izzy Hands, who's like who's like, oh, like, but mainly just because it's distracting them from their work. From their piracy. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it doesn't make Black Pete any less kind of rough and tough to have this thing for Lucius. Um, and Lucius is, oh, I just, I love Lucius so much. He is so Lucius snarky. Lucius is the one who delivers the line, Oh, so this is actually happening. He's um, watching. He's watching Ed and Steed flirting, and he's like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! This is, god, this is happening!" happening. <laughs> Which so Lucius is very much the 
queer audience surrogate in many ways. Um, you know, kind of watching this unfold and it not being queer bait. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's just a lovely little side. Although at the end, spoiler, Ed, like, and chucks and him, off, chucks the him off the ship. He's literally off the ship. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he chucks the audience surrogate off the off ship. The ship. The, and breaks our heart. The biggest shipper of Ed and Steed chucks him off the ship. Chucks him off the ship. Yeah. And they are fully <laughs> aware of the ship metaphors. Like, I think in some of the advertisement or something, it says this ship is sailing or something like that. I mean, it's like not subtle. Anyway, they know their fan base. They know their fan base (laughs) or they suspected who their fan base would be. The other, another couple is Olawande and Jim. We've already mentioned Jim as being a non-binary character. Um, There's a lovely friendship between Olawande and Jim um, you can tell that they're very close with each other. Um, and then it is totally consummated. It is. Um, and Olawande is very sad when Jim takes off because Jim has this revenge that they need to do. But then Jim comes back for some entirely unexplained reason. But it's okay. It's adorable. But it's okay. And, and they then get their kiss. And they, they get more than their kiss. Oh, yeah. They, they get <laughs> caught by Lucius in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they had a sock on the door. I just, I love this show so much. It is. <laughs> it's it's so very funny and silly. Yeah. If you're looking for all the plot threads to be like clearly tied up and make sense, don't bother because it's not about that. The main plot is, is the one that has like the most succinct, like, you know, arc in many ways. But the rest of the characters are just so fun and entertaining that you don't even care. Well, it's then there's like, also there is a there is a hetero couple in there, Spanish Jackie, who's played by <laughs> played by um Leslie Jones, Jones and uh, Geraldo, who's Fred Armiston, one of her many many husbands. She has a bunch of husbands, but Geraldo ends up dying, doesn't he? Geraldo does. Or Geraldo, yeah, yeah, he ends it's up dying. So random, but there's like a lot of comedy legends in this show which is really nice it's like it it kind of feels like they're all kind of signing on their approval to this like yeah (laughs) to this crazy awesome concept and then there is a there is another romance a sweet love story between buttons and his seagull oh my god (laughs) he really loves his seagull it's very sad when he dies at the hands of calico jack calico jack (laughs) so calico jack there's like a couple of like you could almost say mini bosses mini well yeah but also like mini love triangles um that kind of come (laughs) and go so you've got calico jack slash uh ed slash steed so there's like this conflict that happens in in the middle of the season where steed is kind of jealous of ed's relationship with calico jack but also doesn't like what calico jack brings out in ed um and there's actually parallel episodes where both steed and ed kind of interact with their pasts in various ways and then Mm. ultimately reject them for the other for the other person 
So the episode where Steed kind of encounters his past and brings Ed into his world is this episode where they get invited to this party with all these like disgusting, gross, sort of aristocratic types. But and Steve, Steve doesn't, doesn't really want to go, but Ed does because he's seen all the fancy clothes in Steve's closet. And he he really does like he's drawn towards these finer things. He had, you know, he his one big part of his backstory is he had he has this little red, you know, piece, piece of, of fabric, fabric and um, that his mom gave him. And he's like, why can't people like us own stuff like this? And she's like, we're just not those kind of people. But now he sees Steed, who just owns all these things and who's, and who, and who just appreciates it in a way that he hasn't seen before. And it, it really opens up like some doors for him. And he's really fascinated by it. And and he and he wants to try to wear some of these things too. So he and Steed get dressed up to the nines. Ed even puts like little the ribbons in his beard. beard. He's ah! like really excited to I go to this party. I really love Ed so I know. much. I know. Taiko so good. He like stabs his you eyes. through the heart. His eyes are so expressive. Anyway, carry on. So they go to this party and at first Ed does a great job and he actually kind of in some, he's, he occasionally throws Steed under the bus a little bit, which makes Steed <laughs> sad because he's kind of very funny and witty, but then it turns because when they're actually having the dinner, it becomes clear that he really doesn't, doesn't know and he doesn't belong there and he doesn't know how to kind of do anything. Um, he has no etiquette. He has no refinement and it becomes really clear. And so the people laugh, at they him, laugh at him, but in mean. like passive aggressive ways yeah. that, that Ed doesn't fully understand, but he can recognize that there's like a bite to their words. So he's like, Oh, I see what you're doing. You're being passive aggressive. Steve told me this would happen. Yeah. But then Steed turns it around and ends up destroying them all because he's a master at like passive aggression. Passive aggression. And so he, he defends you know, his man's yeah, honor. He, they burn everything down because like it, it really goes wrong. But in that, in a way, it shows like this interesting progression where Steed introduces Ed to his world but then ultimately chooses Ed over it and burns it down, literally. It's like, I'm done with this past and I'd rather just be with Ed on our own terms. And then in a subsequent episode, Ed's old boyfriend, Calico Jack, Wait, comes no, back. we talk about the scene. You wear fine things well. Oh, yeah, go ahead. We talk about okay, it. It's very so, sweet. So basically... I just, I can't stop thinking about it. It's just so good. So basically, um, after they leave, after this... they leave this party, Ed's feeling really down because like, you know, he really couldn't fit in. But the thing about Steed is he was also a misfit in, in that world, in that high society, you know, but he just understands how it works a little bit better. Um, so he knows how mean these people can be, but he also knows that you can separate all like the kind of nice decadent parts of it and you know kind of keep those for yourself enjoy those clothes um, and so you know he's so you know back to that thing where Ed's like it's like why can't people like us own these things we're just not those type of people right but you know he can be that type of person and so and so like Ed's like oh I feel stupid in this you know but then Steve 
takes his little red pocket, uh, he takes his little red, like, um, piece of silk that he's uh, always had with him, and he folds it up and he uses it as a pocket square for Ed, and he says to him, you wear fine things well, and they have this lovely moment under the moonlight, and they, like, almost kiss, and it's like, Ah! Well, they it were, just kicks you in the heart. Because and so, so it was good. like and Ed's mom had told her, had told him, this is not for you. But then Steed is like, it is it for you. Be you for can you. belong. And it looks good. And, and oh my God, Taika Waititi's eyes are just so full of emotion. He's like, you know, so Ed's just like on the verge of tears and he looks so soft and appreciative. And I just, oh, it makes me... Well, and Reese Darby, who plays Steed Bonnet, is great too. I mean, these yeah, two men really is. have collaborated for decades. They have great chemistry. They clearly care about each other, and that chemistry really comes through on yeah. screen. It's lovely. And fun fact: it's just it's such a queer baiting full circle for me, especially, and for any fans of Voltron: Legendary Defender. <laughs> Because Reese Darby played Coran in Voltron, and Voltron famously is a show that instituted queer baiting in like one of the worst ways. It was just comically, bafflingly queer baity. And so, and Reese Darby voiced a character in that show. And so, for him to have this lovely, consummated gay romance with Taika Waititi is just such a full circle. Tumblr moment for me. <laughs> it is lovely. Absolutely lovely. So let's now talk about Ed and the visit Calico of Jack. Calico Jack. Because Calico Jack comes in and he is like all of the worst possible piratey, toxic masculine things. And it makes Ed kind of backslide into some of these behaviors because he's afraid of like not fitting in with this like bro guy that he it's who's his ex essentially and steed ends up feeling really put out and marginalized and left out yeah because he doesn't understand or like recognize the person that ed is around this guy and he doesn't like the person that he becomes but he's afraid that this is the person who he really is and that he's choosing you know calico jack over him but then it becomes clear that Calico Jack is playing him, that he's just trying to like get them in a bad position. No, so he's trying then, to get him off. The, he's trying to get Blackbeard off the ship so he doesn't get arrested. Anymore. Right, because he well, he's trying to put Steed in a bad position because he wants to turn Steed over to the British. Yeah, no, the Spanish. Yes, at the Spanish. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> pirates. Pirates. No, it's not pirates. It's the Spanish. No, no, I, I know. Think. It's yeah. like the government. Yeah. Police pirates. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, period. Or yeah. Anyway, I can't remember if it's the Spanish or the British he wants to. One of them. He's wanting to turn Steed in and like, but he doesn't want Blackbeard to get arrested. Because he's been paid by Izzy. Yeah. 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 Because he's been paid by Izzy. So in any case, but then, you know, Ed ends up like he he event he first goes with Calico Jack, but then he comes back to try to help steed so they get arrested together they get arrested together it was the british to the chain to the soundtrack of the chain yeah the fleetwood mac song and then oh my god frenchie who's another one of my favorite crew members it's so funny to the beat of the song so he's because frenchie's like loot player loot player bard many talented man he he plays he plays a little loot lick 
and then he gets like knocked over to the beat of the chain. And it's, <laughs> it's so perfect. It's such Mickey Mousing, but also oh, really good. And then at good. the end, Steed is like, "You came back." And then Blackbeard winks at him and is like, "I never left." And then he like nudges him a little with his boot. Ah. So anyway, they then get taken, they then get captured by the British and in order to not be like killed for their piratical ways, they agree to this act of grace, which it's basically like we will be um, a privateer, we'll go and like work for the British government for this period of years um, so we won't have to be like killed right we won't be uh, hung for our piracy or or shot Mm -hmm. um instead we won't be executed instead we're gonna invoke this act of grace and we're gonna be we're gonna work for the british government together so ed essentially and steed are willing to give up piracy or well this is really ed's decision it's ed's decision to save steed in like an act of last hope and so you know now they're going off they're 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 in training to be privateers. privateers and um you know but and ed is satisfied you know he'd be happy steed just spending the time but steed is unsettled he doesn't there's you know there's a couple unfinished things that he needs to do so two unfinished things one is that Basically, towards the beginning of the show, he killed this guy, Nigel Badminton, who'd been one of his bullies from his past. But he does it by accident. He stabs him. He never actually kills, kills him. Yeah, he it, he kind of gets impaled by the eye, through the eye, this Nigel guy. But it still haunts him. But it haunts him because he did, actually, he was so angry with him. He did pick up a... Um, this... And he would have, and he he said later he was like, "I wanted to kill him." Yeah, I, I don't feel bad that he's dead. I just feel guilty. I just feel guilty anyway. He's haunted by him. Yeah, because he was he was hit him in the head, didn't he? Yeah. But then he ended up getting impaled through the eye as well. So Chauncey is Nigel's twin brother, and he... They have the most pretentious British aristocratic names on Badminton is the last name. That's so funny. So anyway, Chauncey comes after him, and he's one of the crew that, like, tries to have him killed. Um, in revenge for his In revenge twin for his twin brother. Played by the same, same actor. Same actor, right. So in any case, um, Chauncey, uh, he kind of comes back and finds steed in this privateering school um and ed has like and steed have basically declared their love for love for each other they don't say love but but you know they they kiss they kiss and they say that they make each other happy and you know what makes ed happy is steed what makes steed happy is ed and so they kiss and then they hatch this plan that they're going to run off together maybe to china Ed hatches this plan because Ed is just, you know, he's, Ed has finished his character arc in many ways. Steed has not quite. Steed has unfinished business. He has guilt over killing Nigel and Chauncey's still coming for him. And he also has guilt over having left his wife and children. So he has unresolved things to, to, to kind of 
resolve he's for his character arc. So Ed, he's waiting for Steed to meet him so they can go run off together. And he doesn't, Steed yeah, does not fine. show up. Steed ah! does not show up because he was going to actually like ditch Ed to go back to his wife. Um, Because mm-hmm. he feels like there's, un- he feels guilty and he feels like there's unfinished business there. And he'd learned that his wife had declared him dead, which and, kind of stuck well, in his craw. Not even, no, he didn't know that yet. He did know that because when they checked in at the privateering oh, right. school, the guy checking him off is like, you're well, registered yeah. as being dead. And also due to his failure to like, you know, actually kill anybody and his like general uncomfortability around the concept of death. You know, that this kind of ghost of, you know... Nigel. Ghost of Nigel is kind of acting as like a kind of reminder of his failure to be masculine in many ways. And so he feels... And so his Because he keeps taunting. Yeah, him. his final kind of gnawing thing that makes Ed not go... I mean, that makes Steed not go with Ed in the end is that he feels like he's not man enough to be a pirate. Even though through the series, to Ed, he has proven... That you can be a pirate and be not traditionally masculine. Um, and he's helped Ed go through a full character arc of that. But yet the person who seems most secure in themselves is actually the person who's still holding on to these toxic masculine ideals just in the back of their mind. is still mm. kind of haunting him, you know. So he has to return. The to bully his wife. is still haunting the him. The bully's still haunting him. And so he has to return home. He has to kind of um complete his character arc by going home and by realizing he doesn't want this. Well, what instigates too is the fact that Chauncey um, comes to find him and he shoots him by mistake. So, or, or like his gun discharges and mm-hmm. like, yeah, so he ends up dying. So he killed both twins and by accident, uh, by accident essentially. And he's deeply uncomfortable with that. So he feels like he's not manly enough, you know? To be a pirate. But he also feels guilt over their death. Guilty. Yeah. And you know. So he's he's not he feels like he's not meant for this life um, of roughing it, you know. So he goes back home, but then he realizes he's not meant for that life more, you know? He doesn't fit in there. He doesn't fit in there. In the meantime, his wife Mary has like flourished in his absence, is incredibly happy, has become a a really proficient painter because at the very beginning, They'd establish he she painted this terrible lighthouse well, painting it's not for awful. him. He just doesn't understand. He doesn't her, understand so. her, but you, you know, she did it for him, and he doesn't kind of like respond it or whatever. It. Respond to it, and um, so she ends up taking painting lessons, has a torrid affair with his her painting teacher, and is like incredibly happy, and then. Steed comes back, comes back and she's miserable. She actually wants to murder him because she wants him gone so much. But then they have a mature adult conversation about love. And he's like, well, and he's like, no, what's his face is lovely. Her painting instructor. Doug. Doug. Yeah. And he's like, no, Doug is lovely. Like, I'm happy for you. And, and, and she's like, and he's like, what's it, do you know what it's like to be in love? He's like, what does it feel like? And he's, and she's just like, it's just like a mutual understanding. And like, you know, like you fill in each other's gaps. Um, And he really understands who I am. And in that moment, he realizes that 
he loves Ed. And then she says, do you, and then he, and then she, and he says, I'm glad you found that. And she's like, well, maybe you'll find it someday too. And he's like, I have. And she's like, like, oh, who's her name? And he says, Ed. No, no, he says, Ed. His name is Ed. And it's just like, oh my God, queer mating be damned. And they do this lovely flashback ah! of all their of Ed and all their special moments. moments. Ah! They make the edits for us. Honestly, they make the fan edit for us. Ah! I know it's so great. But so, then, meanwhile, while while you know Steed is finishing up his character arc, Blackbeard is fucking regressing. <laughs> well, but he doesn't regress at first. At first, he's like just really sad, and Lucius comes to support him. You know, and he but he's still and he's retaining. lounging around in Steed's fabulous oh, no. red robe. But you then, know. but he still kind of retained his the kind of lesson he learned. You know, he's. He finished his character arc, so he's he's kind of retaining the lessons that he learned throughout the season about how to be a man and like what that means for Ed, not Blackbeard. But Izzy and they has... do a talent, sh- and he's even gonna he does a little talent show and wants to do a talent show with the crew. But Izzy Hands just has to get his freaking freaking disgusting little nose into everything because Izzy keeps Izzy goes in and he's like i i don't even recognize you i don't you. recognize you i don't fight for ed i fight for blackbeard and you're just like the you're shell of a man moping around for your ex-boyfriend and i don't like recognize this pathetic creature who's just like moping around in his boyfriend's robe and missing him you where's the blackbeard this is blackbeard you're not blackbeard anymore but Ed had said he doesn't want to be Blackbeard anymore. But Izzy is making him kind of. Well, he feels like he's not he safe because like he's like, no other option. I'm going to take you out because you're pathetic. And I, you know, I have. And Blackbeard was always his defense mechanism. Like if he felt in danger, that's what he did. And so he feels scared and he doesn't feel safe. And so he reverts. And so his first order of business is to cut off one of Izzy's toes and feed it to him. Because that's the that's kind of thing that Blackbeard do. does. And he paints with kind of cork or something a Blackbeard back on. So he looks frightening again because he'd shaved his beard off when he was going to work for the British government. And honestly, more, more kind of interestingly he he puts bags around his eyes to kind of cover the humanity in them in some ways because you know Taika Waititi has these like massive like expressive eyes and by like Blackbeard kind of smudging out some of the kind of dulling the kind of expression in them in some ways but then you get you get this like kind of in many ways very you get the kind of cumulative scene right next to each other so you get steed finishing his character arc he's sailing back out to sea um to try to find to try blackbeard, to find blackbeard well, and the rest of his crew and meanwhile you have ed crying well he goes off page. the rails in a lot of ways <laughs> because he doesn't just like cut off as he's toe and feed it to him he becomes really cruel to the crew again he strands he all of the, them. He's, he maroons them all, all of Steed's men on this island, gets rid of all of them except for Jim, because Jim is like a sufficiently pirate. <laughs> a pirate. And then, and uh, oh, he, and also And Frenchie. he throws Lucius He keeps Frenchie of, because he's a good sewer. 
and Blackbeard's flag by the end of the first season is completed because in the first, if you're if you're a fan of pirates, you uh, and you watch the first few episodes where at Blackbeard's first introduced, you'll kind of think to yourself, oh, the flag's not quite accurate because Blackbeard's flag is like this devil man piercing a heart. But in the first few episodes where you first see him, it's just the devil man holding the spike up, but there's no heart. But then after the breakup, he makes um, he makes uh, Frenchie sew a heart onto his flag to represent how Steed has pierced his heart and now he's evil again. But you see that it's not the real him. It's the defense mechanism when later, um, when like one of the final images of the Season. He also throws Lucius off the ship. Yes, which we you mentioned. said that like yeah. three times. I know, but I don't want Lucius to be dead. It <laughs> traumatized me. But anyway, you let me finish my thought. You keep interrupting me with Lucius. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the, the final like kind of image, you know, shows you that this is all just a facade because what you see is the Kraken, the and abominable Blackbeard breaking down and crying. Sobbing. Yeah. In Steed's Sobbing. In Steed's room. Yeah. And the revenge. Yeah. It, and he also threw all of Steed's books away and like just got rid of anything that had to do with a trace of him. Yeah. Um, so he got rid of his crew. Uh, he got he threw Lucius overboard. I say it again because it makes me sad. And <laughs> and he threw the books overboard. Lucius better not be dead. But at the very end, there might be hope because Steve finds his crew and Rose, and they've been like starving on this island. And Lucius they were left for dead. Finishes his uh, not Lucius. Steve finishes his character arc just as. Um, Blackbeard regresses, setting us up perfectly for a second season. Which we have to have needs season to two. happen. Please, please, HBO. Please. We love the show so much. There's please. no news, at least as far as I know yet, we're about whether or not a HBO. season two. But we're begging, please let, please let Steed and Ed be happy. I just want them to kiss again. I just <sighs> want to see them happy. They need to be happy. Anyway, anyway, as you can tell, we loved the show. We loved it for so many reasons. We loved it for the fact that it was getting at really interesting ideas about toxic masculinity, um, different kinds of masculinity. It was kind of using piracy as an interesting metaphor for outsiderness, but not in like a kind of typical way. It was not a coming out story. There was no shame around queerness. Love that. And no queer baiting. No queer baiting. Happy Woo. love stories. It was a romantic comedy. And we're just in the dark place right now between Steed and Ed. But yeah. They're gonna Ooh, run they're, they're gonna, gonna do that proverbial run in through the airport to each other in the and next season. Oh, well, <laughs> I feel like he might try to stab him, but that's okay. Well, he, he's processing his grief they right now. They love each other. I swear <laughs> to God, they love each other. They do love each anyway, other. Anyway. Well, it's canon it that canon. Steed loves Ed. And I think it's canon that Ed loves Steed. He oh, just yeah. is so he's sad. He's just in a bad spot right now. 
anyway, that's it for today. Go watch that show if you haven't watched it yet. But if you haven't watched it, you're kind of screwed because we spoiled the we whole spoiled thing in this the episode. Thing. But Sorry. the entire internet has already done that for you. So anyway, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.